Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. If you're wondering why I'm kind of limping and looking a bit stiff this morning, it's because we <laughs> have played my first full football match in like eight months yesterday. And I was retired, but I came out of retirement and... Uh, it's when you've got the football bug, it's hard to lose it. And we lost 2-1 yesterday. Life Church team. And so if you want to play for Life Church, come and let us know. In fact, Ben, why don't you stand up? You've got a hat on. He's our manager. He is the, uh, he is the Jurgen Klopp of Life Church. Just don't have the results yet that go alongside Jurgen's results. Just to let you know, Abbas was mentioning this. On everyone's seat, everyone be grab one of these. Um, we're really excited about this. Because at the end of October, we're going to do three nights of church, okay? Why? Because one Sunday morning's not enough. So we're going to do three nights. On Thursday night, the 24th of October, Friday night, and Saturday night, 25th and 26th. And we're going to gather here together, and we want to invite the city of Leeds. We want to invite other churches to join with us on those three nights. And it's a little bit different, because on the Sunday afterwards, the 27th, there's not going to be a service at all. So you need to know that, mark that in your diary. One of the reasons for that is because it's the Abbey Dash and so the road is closed um, on that Sunday. And so it makes it very difficult for you to get access to church. So what? instead of that, we're going to do three nights before. Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. We're going to build some great momentum. And there'll be kids' church. And there'll be heaps of stuff going on afterwards and food and stuff. So we encourage you to mark that in your diary. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, it's going to be fun. And so um, evening kind of revival nights in Leeds. So we're really excited. Really excited about that. You happy to be here? You good? You're happy? Come on. If you're happy, then I'm happy. It's great to be with you today. And um, I encourage you. Pardon? Thank you. You're welcome. Um, We're going to have a great time tonight as well at our leads at six. My friend Stuart Innes is going to be preaching. He is from Scotland. Why don't you stand up, Stuart? He's visiting with us today. And uh, he is an amazing pastor and preacher and leader. And so... Uh, he's here with his wife, Jen. Um, they're from the north of Scotland, like in a different country. <laughs> it's, like, it's like near Aberdeen, Peterhead, okay? It's miles away. And uh, they came down yesterday, so he's going to be sharing tonight. It's going to be a great night. I want to speak to you today from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2. I want to read one verse to you found in the New Living Translation. Um, I was thinking, I had two things that I wanted to share with you as a church, and I'm going to do one today, and the next week, in fact, I want to speak about restoration next, next week, and uh, how our lives can be restored. And so, uh, I was in two minds which one to do first, but I've decided to do this one today first, and then restoration next week. And so, this is where we're going today, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, in the New Living Translation, the verse is going to come up here on the screen. And uh, it says, as we just patiently wait for Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Have we got it, guys? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. We'll keep waiting. It's all good. Here we go. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. It says, but let God transform you into a new person. Look at this. By changing the way that you... Come on, that was poor. By changing the way that you... Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. 
Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to take the time um, in this morning's message to speak to you about mindsets. Okay? Speak to you about mindsets. The way that we think. The way that you think and the way that I think. I love what it says, who Paul writes in the Romans, and different translations put it differently. But I like the New Living Translation version where it says, changing the way that you think. That God helps us with the will of our life by changing the way that we think. You know, Christians sometimes have a slightly often negative um, impression of people who speak about thinking or the thought process. It's almost like I'm the new David Blaine or Darren Brown who's going to kind of like hypnotize you into some kind of weird cult uh, because we sometimes think, well, it's not, you know, thinking's not important. That's for like the secular world. That's for like the psychologists over there. But we are people of faith and therefore what we think doesn't matter. Why? Because it's all about our faith. And I I disagree with that to an extent because the Bible is very clear that we are body and that we are soul and that we are spirit. But the software system for our body and the software system for our soul and the software system for our spirit is really through our mind. And so we can't just discard that and go, well, that's for the kind of, you know, the positive thinkers or the the thinking crowd or the kind of the magicians or those kind of, you know, weirdos over there. No, the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all of your mind. And so you can have a heart for God and still have dysfunctional thinking. Let that sink in for a moment. You can have a heart that loves God and you can have a heart that leans towards God and you can be committed to him and you can be a faithful follower of him but yet you can still be dysfunctional in your thinking. And the reason I wanted to speak about this today was something happened while we were on holiday a few weeks ago. We were in um, Spain for a few days, me, Abs, and the two boys, and we went to a water park. How many of you love water parks? They're great in, like, hot countries. <laughs> like, in England, they're demonic, okay? But in hot countries, they're amazing. And we went to this water park, and they're not cheap, these water parks in, like, Spain or wherever. You're talking, like, I don't know, 30 euros each to get in, and, you know, and then, and so we come in, and now, predominantly, um, um, most of the rides, me and Jay went on together, if I'm honest. One, because Abs is uh, was heavily pregnant and Sonny was too little to go on some of them. And so um, they went on some of them. But me and Jay, who is fearless, okay, I think I've spoken about that. Some of the rides he went on, I'm like, how are you even thinking about going on it? Just head first down. And we'd have the, we had these tickets, these wristbands that enabled us obviously to get into the park. And then when we started getting onto the park, it was quite busy. Summer holidays, it's like quite packed. And so um, it started to get busier and busier. And so you'd go up to the queue on the, to go on the rides, on the slides. And um, you'd be maybe like 20 people before you. And so you'd be waiting maybe five minutes. Okay, and you, that's okay. And then the, then the next slide, you'd be waiting a little bit longer as the park got a little busier. But to the right of us was what was called a fast pass lane. And I started to get a little bit annoyed. <laughs> 
Because like we've been queuing patiently like British people do. <laughs> really beautifully queuing. And then like these three little Spanish kids would like run up and just push past us because they're in a different queue on a rope. And they had the fast pass, red pass tickets. And they had the ability to jump the queue and then go on the ride before us. And what really annoyed me was I remember we were waiting on this ride for like, like 20 minutes. And these three little beautiful Spanish, Spanish kids. <laughs> I saw them go, come up, go down the slide, run back up, go down the slide, run back up. And they went three times. And we hadn't even been once. And I had a chat with Jay about it because I was like, oh, like those tickets are like cool, like fast pass tickets. And he was really great because he says like, dad, don't worry, I know, we don't need to buy them. Like, I don't mind queuing. Like, how good is that? And then I was thinking, why have I not bought these fast pass tickets? And I started thinking and half an hour went by, we went on some other rides and I'm just getting ticked as all these kids and other people just pass me. And I'm like, why have I not got these? And I said to Jay, come with me. And so I got out of the slow line. (laughs) We walked back to the main reception and I said, give me two fast pass tickets, please. And they were an additional 13 euros each, okay, on top of what we'd already paid. And we had these tickets and then we now had these red wristbands. And we went back to the slide where we'd been waiting and just waved at people as we got to the top. No, we didn't. I wasn't that rude. In fact, when I got to the top, I let those people go because I knew, like, I felt like, you know, Moses, just let my, pe- let, let my people go. Because like, I, I, I know what it's feel. I've been where you've been. <laughs> but maybe 3% of the thousands of people on the water park had the fast pass tickets. And what I realized was this, because when we started having the fast pass tickets, the day totally changed. The enjoyment factor of the day was revolutionized. Me and Jay had the best day together. We'd run around, no waiting, down the next one, down the next one. And from maybe going on maybe eight rides in a day, we went on like 88 rides in the day. Why? Because the fast pass ticket gave us a different level of access. And what I realized was I was reluctant to buy these fast pass tickets because of a mindset. Because the reality is the bank account said yes, the circumstances said yes, but my mindset said no. Now some of you resonate with what I'm saying because the reality is a lot of people didn't buy the fast pass tickets probably because they couldn't afford them. And you have to understand there's genuine reasons why many of the people, like it's already expensive to go, so to then spend another 13 euros each per person, it adds up. And so some families had to make a decision and go, no, we're not going to buy them. The reality was, this was a special day on holiday. We've worked hard. This is our one holiday for the week, for the year with our kids. I want to enjoy it. And the reality is, 25 euro, 26 euros, the additional cost it is for me and Jay to buy these passes. Sure, it might make a little dent in the account, my bank account, but we're still going to have food. And we're still going to be able to pay our mortgage and we're still going to be able to pay our bills. Why? Because we've stewarded our finances and God has blessed us to enable us to do that. So it wasn't like we didn't have the ability. It wasn't like I was going into overdraft to do it. I didn't need to go and ring up Wonga.com and say, can I borrow 26 pounds and the repayment would be 2,600 pounds in the next week. It was not nothing stupid like that. It was a decision where I had the ability to do it, but my mindset said no. 
And my mindset said no because I didn't, if I'm honest, I was tight. And I was like, we're going we're gonna to persevere and spend 26 euros on something else throughout the holiday. And I almost felt like God speak to me through that day about what we experienced. Because we were limited slightly without these fast pass tickets. We were missing out on a new level of experience because of a mindset that said no. And the question I want to ask you, and the question I was asking myself that day, was how many experiences are we missing out on because of a mindset that is preventing us from experiencing something far better than our current reality? That there are certain mindsets that we have in certain areas that are probably preventing us from experiencing things that would be so much better because of a current reality. We were waiting, but yet the fast pass has got us moving. And there are some mentalities that will keep you waiting in queues as other people seem to pass by. Have you noticed that? There are some people who just seem to like pass by you in life, maybe in employment or maybe in a career or maybe in like different things. And you're then going like, how is that possible? We earn the same amount and we do the same thing and like we live in the same area, but there seems to be something different. I guarantee probably what it is, is there is a mentality shift in that person. And so as you are queuing, other people are passing by because you've got to shift some of the ways that you think. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 that as a man thinketh, so is he. That as you think, so is your life. And we sum that up by saying this, how you think is how you live. That's the simplicity of that verse. How you think is how you live. And Jesus throughout the Gospels seems to have this continuous struggle with his disciples. And the continuous struggle with his disciples is not really often an issue of heart because for the majority of the time, their heart was in the right place. They were committed and they worked hard together as a team of disciples. They loved him. We know through the Gospels, the disciples were passionate about him. They loved him. John even rested his head on his breast sometimes. (laughs) There was nothing kind of like untoward in terms of their heart or their love towards Jesus. It's just that their mindsets were just sometimes a little bit off. They couldn't understand why Jesus would do certain things. They didn't understand why Jesus would speak a certain way. How he would say it in a certain way. How he would act in certain things. They wouldn't understand why Jesus would pick up a little child and put them on his lap and bless them and pray for them. Because that was not custom in Jewish culture. And so to them, it wasn't necessarily a heart issue. There was something in their mindset which went, no, 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 this is not right. This is not what we do. I've not seen this before. And they were almost limited. And Jesus seemed to sometimes get frustrated. Not necessarily with where their heart was at but how they thought about certain things. You see, Jesus would come with a whole new approach to living and his thoughts were on a different plane to many of the formed ways of thinking that lived within the disciples and that also lived within us. You see, the reason on that water park I struggled initially to buy those fast track, fast passes was because my thinking has been formed in a certain way. My thinking has been shaped. That wasn't just like a one-off bad day. That has been shaped maybe from years of living. Years of experiencing life 
where I have had certain thinking and certain values and certain mindsets that have contributed to ultimately how I live. (coughs) Now, scientists will say that, and sociologists will say that there are different stages of development, okay, in as you grow up. So from naught to six, age, you know, naught to six year olds, it is is often called the sponge-like stage. And what that means is you absorb naught to six, you absorb all of the actions and you absorb all of the behaviors and you absorb all of the conversations in that time. And so you learn emotions and you have learned patterns in those first six years that you will then exhibit in later life. You then have this stage of years, ages 7 to 12, which is called the modeling stage, which is where young kids at between that age just begin to copy and imitate people. We're finding it now. You speak a certain way and you get a kind of imitation. And in the modeling stage, 7 to 12, is when kids start to look up to role models. It's when they want to dress like someone, wear like, dress, walk like someone, you know, uh, you know talk like them. And, and they have heroes uh, uh, develop in that 7 to 12 stage. You then have the 13 to 21 age, which is more of the socialization period, which is influenced by peers, where you seek like-minded people and you hang out based on interests and, and who you are and you socialize. And then you have 21 plus. And by 21 plus, your core values don't really change unless a significant emotional event takes place. But between the ages of 8 and 13, scientists and sociologists will say that is where the major ways of thinking are set in that five-year period. So between the ages of 8 and 13, the majority of how we think in those five years is how many of us still think right now. Isn't that amazing? And so you can love God and you can worship God and you can be in a life church environment and you can see certain things and you can experience certain cultures that have been celebrated in this church, but many of you still don't able to access some of them because you're still living in a five-year period between the ages of 8 and 13 where certain values and certain ways of thinking were maybe modeled to you. Maybe you imitated those models. Maybe you just did what your father did or did what your mother did or did what friends around you. And so if you were brought up between 8 and 13 and you didn't have much money or there wasn't much money available or in the family household there was different ways of using it, you probably follow those same patterns. And what I was actually realizing is there are some ways in my thinking, and they're not all bad ways of thinking. Some of them are excellent ways of thinking, and some of them have been massively influenced by family and peers in my early years. But all of us have certain ways of thinking in our mindset that can be limited because of what took place in those years, and we get stuck in mindsets, and then we get set in to a certain way of thinking. And then we are sometimes bound from experiencing the life over there because I'm stuck in a mindset over here. Some of those are fears. Some of those are anxieties. Where you'd love to experience a holiday or a hot climate over there, but you are stuck here because of a mindset or a mentality which has a fear of flying or a fear of traveling or a fear of leaving the country. All of those things happen. And so in different aspects of life, we're sometimes bound from experiencing the water slide consistently because I'm stuck in a mindset over here. 
Now, normally, you don't even think there is anything wrong. I never thought there was anything wrong. I've always thought myself as quite like, a, you know, if there's a slide, let's go on the slide, and whatever it costs is what it costs, and just make it work, kind of do it. But this was a kind of a significant day for me, because I'm like, there is something in me, in my thinking, which says, I don't want to buy these passes. There was something in me which says, I'm, I'm going to slog it out all day with the slow people, <laughs> while other people enjoy the experience at a whole nother level. And sometimes you don't even realize there is anything wrong until you experience freedom in the new mindset. And when I experienced freedom in the new mindset, I realized I can change the way I think. And actually, if I change the way I think about certain things, maybe my life would be better in certain areas. Because our thinking can be so limited. You know, people said Roger Bannister would never break four minutes for the mile. Guess what? He did it. Now many people do it. I'm sure you saw the news yesterday where the Kenyan athlete Elliot Kipchoge broke two hours for the marathon. That's the equivalent of running on a treadmill at like 22 speed for two hours. Most treadmills don't even get up to that. Now, that was often seen as it can't happen. But what that whole race was about, well, it wasn't a race. It was more of an exhibition, what he did yesterday. It was called No Human is Limited. Because he was basically saying, everyone has said it's impossible to do this. He goes, now I've done it. You watch everyone else follow. And I guarantee you, over the next year, you watch everyone else break two, two hours for the marathon. It's what just will happen. And then there'll be a new thing. Why? Because the human body has the ability to go way further, to go way faster, to lift a lot more, to do a lot more, if we can access and break some of those limitations. It's funny when I go to the gym regularly, every day, 5 a.m. That's a total lie. Although I did realize something funny yesterday. I've been wearing, spoke to a guy who runs, owns a train, like a sh- sports shoe business. And I've realized, I've been doing, I do 5K as many days, most days if I can. And I've realized I've been wearing the same pair of trainers for, since 2012. And it's now 2019. I've worked out, I've done 31,000 miles in this pair of trainers in those seven years. I've ran around the world in one pair of trainers. He told me I should be changing them every 750 miles. He's bound to say that. He sells shoes. But you know what? It begins to, it got me thinking about like, man, I'm not even changing my shoes. My mindset is blocked. (laughs) But sometimes when you go to the gym, it's like, you know, the weight machine is there or I find myself on a treadmill and, I, and I'm running. And I don't know if you've ever set yourself a target on a treadmill. Some of you are like, what is a treadmill? Okay. Others of you are like, yes, I know. And you, you set yourself a target. And so I, I set myself 5K or whatever and I want to do it in a certain time. And my body's going as fast as I can and it's painful and it hurts. But there's a big button on the treadmill that says stop. And it's my mind that will either keep me going or it will be my mind that pauses me to press stop. And you find the gym is one whole place of I can't lift that and before you know it, you're lifting something you never thought you could lift. You're running at a speed you never thought you could run. You're exercising in a way you never thought you could exercise. Why? Because your body has the capability to do it but you have to change your mindset. And so this athlete, I think the ability for him to run under two hours has been in his body for a while. But it took, his mind, it took his mind a while to catch up that he could actually do it. Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says, when they go with the spies to explore the land, the promised land that God has called them to be in, 
They go and explore this land. And what I find fascinating is Joshua and Caleb and the ten other spies, they go and see, and they all see the same thing. They all see the giants in that land, and they felt like grasshoppers in that land. They know there's going to be big battles ahead. But the mentality was different between Joshua and Caleb and the other ten. You see, one group of them said, we can't go there because there's giants there. The other group, Joshua and Caleb, says, despite the giants, we can still go there. Isn't that interesting? Because they were all soldiers. They were all fighters. They all had the same tools at their disposal. And yet two of them entered the promised land. The other ten never entered it. Guess who the two were? Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because their mentality was different to the other ten. And their mentality said, because God is with us, we can do this. Despite what lies ahead, and you begin to realize this plays a major part in our thinking and how we live our life. Paul writes in Romans 1 verse 21, talking, he says, their thinking became futile. He's saying the thinking of this church, it became futile. It simply means it became ineffective. Sure, their hearts might have been in the right place, but their thinking became futile. You might be thinking today, this sounds like some secular seminar. It's not a secular seminar. God wants you free from some stuff. God wants you free from certain ways of thinking that are not his ways, that are not his thoughts. God has will for you, like we read in Romans. God has experiences for you. God has destiny for you, available to you. But we sometimes have to engage in our thinking and make some shifts in our mentality. You see, we can so easily have toxic patterns of thinking. And we have to wire them out and replace them with healthy thoughts. The Bible says, what does it say? Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because we get conditioned from a very early age with powerful mindsets. And they stay longer than they should ever have stayed. Some of you right now think in certain ways because your parents did, because your school taught you to, because the community or the postcode that you were brought up in said, this is what we do, this is how we live, this is what we do every Tuesday night, we watch Emmerdale and then EastEnders and that's, that's what we do where we are and, and, and then there's other people who go, no, we, we go out and we do things and this is, there's, there's mindsets to how we live and many of them have been formed and you'll hear the story of the elephant. And the elephant at a very early age, doesn't, the owner of the elephant doesn't want it to escape. And so when the elephant is young, the elephant is simply a, big, a bit of rope is put around the leg of the elephant and attached to a post. And the elephant is small enough that the, the rope is strong enough to, every time the elephant pulls on it, it feels it and goes, okay, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. And so can't escape and so stays in its vicinity. But as the elephant grows to full maturity, like a full-on elephant, how many of you know the string is not capable of keeping the elephant in the same place? But the elephant is so conditioned by the piece of string that they now know, I still can't move. I still can't break free. I still can't experience the freedom of the vicinity because I'm bound by this piece of string, even though they have the strength and the ability to break free from it. And it is a picture of how many of us often live our life where there is a freedom in us, but yet we are blocked by previous formed mindsets. As I close in the final few minutes, I'm going to be about five more minutes. Is that okay? I want to give you five mindsets that I think have been part of my journey 
personally. And you might resonate with some of these as we draw this to a close. Four mindsets that in my ways of thinking, I think I want to develop new ways of thinking. Four mindsets that I want to check today and I want you to check. The first mindset is the mindset of lack. Pretty much what I experienced at that water park. The mindset of lack. The mindset that said, but uh, I don't think I've got 26 euros to pay. Uh, if I do, I'm not sure if I'll get it back. And how would I be able to pay for that? And how would I be able to do this? And Sometimes you might call it a poverty mentality. But I sometimes think that's a little bit of a harsh, harsh description of it. I think it's more of a mindset of just lack. I don't have enough. We never have enough. We're never going to be able to shop there. We're never be able to going to buy that. We, we're never going to be able to afford that. And at the moment, I'm reading a book. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know if you ever read it. And I found myself last week, because Jay asked if he could, but Jay doesn't really understand yet the concept of full value. Okay, maybe his teachers could uh, help with that a little bit, Mrs. Thompson. Um, but sometimes he'll see things. And I, I remember saying something last week. I was like, I, I can't afford that, Jay. And then I remember reading the book, and the book says, that's a mindset. And that's the wrong thing to say. The better thing to say is, that's quite expensive, Jabe. Let me find a way of maybe making that happen sometime in the future. Isn't it amazing how automatically you say things based on a certain mindset? And I'm realizing I'm conditioning him to think, I can't afford that. Jay's growing up at six. We can't afford that. We can't do that. We don't eat those places. We don't go there. We don't wear, we don't, why? Because we can't afford that. Maybe if I can change my thinking, I can help change his thinking. That maybe, and it's not about buying. It's not all about material things. This is about a mindset issue. And a mindset that says we aren't, can't afford it, we never have enough, even if you can. Because there are people who can afford it and still don't do it. And you become tight. And you squeeze the queen so tight that she begins to cry. <laughs> Open up your hand. You are held by money. Some of you in here are held by money. You find it very difficult to buy somebody else a coffee find it very difficult to like release more than you should release. Others of you, like you've broken this, it's like fine, it's like you're, it's almost like you have a problem the other way. <laughs> it's like I'll buy everyone everything whenever they want it. You need to be wise. You need to be a wise steward, but there is a river on the other side of your brook. And some of you only see the brook, but there is a river on the other side of that brook. Psalm 23 says, I lack nothing. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, if the Lord is my shepherd, he will provide what I need. For God is my provider. He is my Jehovah Jireh. And sometimes what you need to do, if you have a mindset of lack, and this is me sometimes, and maybe you, sometimes you need to physically break it. You literally need to physically break it. And you need to have good, take a deep breath and buy the most expensive meal on the menu. Because some of you go to restaurants and you see the ribeye steak, the fillet steak, it's twenty two ninety five, but you always go for the hunter's chicken. <laughs> Nobody likes hunter's chicken. Eight ninety five. You want the fillet steak, and you can afford the fillet steak. Sure, it might make a bit more of a dent, but it's a mindset. Sometimes you have to buy the meal. 
Sometimes you have to purchase an item of clothing that you wouldn't normally buy. Sometimes you need to go and get a good haircut instead of going to the cheapest place. It's just cheap. It's better. It's cheap. No. Women in here. Sometimes you need to go and get that manicure, that pedicure. Sometimes you need to have the massage. Sometimes you need to do it. And if your husband is tight, speak to him about these mentalities and go, we need to break this physically. I'm with you women. You have to rewire your mindset on money. Maybe you need to read a book. Maybe you need to speak to other people on the other side. Maybe you need to speak to the fast pass track people. Start speaking to them. Hanging out with them a little bit. Because it's amazing when you hang out with people. I'm not just talking about hanging out with like wealthy people. I'm talking about hanging out with people who have broken certain mentalities. It's amazing how like refreshing it is. Just to be in a certain place and you have a meal and at the end it's not a, getting a calculator out and writing down, well, you owe 1241 and I own 1366. So, and you owe, was it, did you have two chips or three chips? Like, you don't want to go for dinner with those kind of people. You want to go for dinner where it's like, you know what, should we split the bill half and half? Yeah, but I had two more drinks than you. It's all good, man. Like, release yourself from certain issues of lack when it comes to your thinking. Is this making sense? I feel like I'm resonating with a few of you in the room. You've got to be generous. Be generous. It's a mentality issue, generosity. Sure, it starts in the heart, but it becomes a mentality. The second mindset is the mindset of inadequacy, the mindset of inability. The mindset that says, I can't do that. I could never do that. You are confessing a false mindset. There is a job on the other side for some of you, but yet your mentality is stopping you from even applying for it. There is a career on the other side for you, but some of your mentality says, I could never do that. I could never fulfill that job. I could never do that university degree. I could never do that course. I could never have that opportunity. Who says you can't? Speak and start talking more about what you can do rather than what you can't do. The third mindset is the mindset of negativity. Where everything is kind of glass half full. How was church today? Oh yeah, it's alright. How was church today? Church today was good. And I'm not talking about being dishonest. And some of you will go, yeah, but we've got to be honest. And we've got to be authentic. And we've got to be real. But when you become negative in life, it becomes a sad and lonely place to live. Replace that mindset, rewire that out and become hope-filled. And if church wasn't as good as you'd like it to be, you know what, church wasn't so great today, but I believe next week it's going to be a lot better. Hopefully Abs will preach soon and, you know, be hope-filled. You'll experience a greater fast-pass life in the avenue of hope-filled thinking. And the fourth mindset is the mindset of small-mindedness. You start reading Genesis 1 and you realize you don't serve a small God. 
you realize God just flings out stars and the planets and the universe. Then he goes, yeah, I'll make this and then I'll make that and I'll make thousands and tens of thousands of creatures and species, more than we could ever know. They're still finding thousands of new species of fish every single year. They're still finding new stars and new solar systems and new planets. Don't tell me God is a small thinking God. He's a big thinking God. And we should model his thinking. You were not created by a small God. You have the mind of Christ. When it comes to your thinking about your family, start thinking big about your family. When it comes to your employment and your career, start thinking big about your employment and your career. When it starts thinking about this church, we need to start thinking big about this church. And I know some of you joined this church when it was a lot smaller. And the reason you came was because it was small. Because some of you told me that. Well, I like this church because it's small. There was like 80 of us at the time, or 100 of us. I like it because it's small. And now it's big. Oh, 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 how big. And I spoke to someone recently and I said, hey, are you going to be cool if a thousand people start coming to our church? And their response was, I'm not sure. But after a while they went, yes, I'm going to be okay. Because our responsibility, no matter how big this church gets, is to make sure you still feel you're part of a small community. You still feel part of a small environment. You're still needed. You're still known. So there might be 10,000 people in the years to come, but you still feel loved and you still feel known and you still feel valued and you still feel significant. I've been in massive churches around the world where I still felt, I didn't feel like, you know, unwelcome and I didn't feel unloved and I didn't feel like unknown. And yet I've sometimes been to very small churches where I felt very unnoticed and where I felt very unknown. And we have to lift sometimes our thinking Let's think big, because small mentalities make big issues out of small things. But big mentalities make small issues out of big things. I spoke to a friend this week, and my friend is quite influential in certain areas, and would probably known as someone who has quite a lot of resources to their, to their availability. And I was chatting to them, and it's like, how's things? And they're saying, things are a bit difficult, things are a bit challenging at the moment. And I know what they're kind of going through. I'm like, if that was me, it would, it would have sunk me years ago. <laughs> but because their mentality is big enough, they can cope with the pressure. They can cope with the difficulty. And you won't find them talking about it. You wouldn't necessarily notice. But yet they're carrying some big things. But because they have a big mentality, they make a small issue out of a big thing. Caleb, what does he say? He says, give me this mountain. I don't just want the foot of it, I want the whole mountain. You see, there are roots to all of these mindsets and they express themselves as fruits. But it is the roots that need changing and it is the roots that need replacing. You see, the fruit of lack or the fruit of inadequacy or the fruit of negativity or the fruit of small-minded thinking, it expresses itself through the fruit, but you have to rewire yourself and get to the real reason. Why do I think like this? And maybe you need to help get involved in our Keys to Freedom course that we run as a church, which helps you live in the freedom of Christ. Maybe you need some therapy. Maybe you need some counseling. Maybe you need to pay somebody to help you through the process of changing your thinking through a, a, a psychologist or a therapist or a Christian counselor. Maybe you just need to start reading your Bible a little bit more and getting some of the truth of the word into you. Maybe you need some accountability with a friend. Whatever it is, can we all make a decision to stay on top of our thinking? Isn't it interesting when Jesus dies, where does he die? He's on the cross in a place called Golgotha. What does Golgotha mean? The place of the skull. 
Why? Because the greatest victory ever seen took place at the place of the skull. And there are victories in your mind. There are victories that you can lead in your head. What does it say in that Romans verse? Put it back on the screen if you can. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Let God transform you. Let God transform you. That's not it. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Hear me. You will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen.